The walls were covered in seahorses. Welcome to the Big Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Devin, and each episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with a special guest about a big move they've made, relocating from the home they knew to live like a local in a brand new place. In the 90s, my whole family moved from Toronto to Australia for a year, and that time really influenced the way I travel, the way I view the world, and the way I define home. So travel along with us every other Wednesday as we explore what inspires us to make big moves, what leads us new places, and what calls us home. That's all here on the Big Moves Podcast. Lydia, thanks for coming on the Big Moves Podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. So I want to talk about the trip, obviously, a lot, but I just want yeah. to get a bit of a feel for a few parts of who you are so listeners get to know you a little bit. Okay. So when you were a kid growing up, where did you consider home? Uh, Toronto, for sure. Yeah. Grew um, up in Toronto? Okay, awesome. Yeah. And traveled quite a bit as a child? or Yes, because I had family in France, so I went pretty much every summer to France, and a couple summers went to Cyprus, where my dad's family's from. So... Yeah, Europe was kind of in my blood, I guess. Nice. Yeah. And did you grow up bilingual? Like, you speak a number of languages. Did you grow up speaking those, or did you learn those later in life? Um, I grew up speaking French and English, and then I had to learn Greek, which I totally forgot. My dad's not impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I had to learn Italian, because I was an opera singer, and I had to learn a little bit of Spanish. I learned that in high school and I definitely had to learn German. That was like the main thing I had to learn for my career as an opera singer. Okay. So multilingual, not just yes, bilingual. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. That's awesome. And what's sort of the first trip you remember taking as a kid? Is it one of those trips to France? Yes. France and, and Cyprus are pretty clear in my head. I can't remember which one is more important than the other, but that's, those yeah. are the ones I remember the most for sure. Nice. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about your move to Germany. What part yes. of Germany did you end up moving to? I lived in Dortmund. Sorry. Dortmund. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, German no, people great. out there. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Dortmund is uh, Nordwestfalen, Nord North. Um, oh, see, I forgot the English name. Westphalia, I guess that is. Um, okay. So it's near like Dusseldorf. It's near Cologne. Um, it's not the most attractive city it was totally (laughs) sorry but there's a lot of cool things uh but it was totally bombed out in the second world war like 90 percent was stolen it was sorry not stolen well maybe stolen but destroyed um because it was an industrial town so they wanted to aim there pretty much first um yeah so it was all rebuilt kind of quickly and badly after that and uh, (laughs) there's only one little corner of the town where you can stand and see the old part of it you get this little you're in this sort of um alleyway and you can see like the church which which I think was rebuilt I can't remember now but it's it look it's the way it was supposed to look right and then there was like an old apothecary um which was turned into a shop but the outline of it is still there. So it looks like the old way it used to look. I think it was a medieval yep. town, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, 
I should probably know that. Very but cool. um, <laughs> it's okay. We can, we can look it up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but the rest, you know, it's it, it's really built for pedestrians. There's a huge pedestrian zone. Um, lots of shopping, nonstop shopping, and uh, lots of bike lanes, which was an awesome part of of that city. Nice. Yeah. And what uh, what might listeners know the city for? What is it known for? For soccer. Like soccer. Oh my God! Big time. <laughs> Borussia is the team. BVB, as it's known. Uh, the colors are black and yellow. <laughs> nice. Um, so basically, the Germans are either really into fußball, which is soccer. Or maybe a bit of opera. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully for your sake, a little <laughs> bit of opera. <laughs> uh, like, it is so huge over there in Dortmund. Like, the soccer was huge. The stadium, enormous. Um, and whenever there was a game, you better be wearing those colors. Because if you're wearing <laughs> the opponent's colors, you will be beaten up. Like... <laughs> <laughs> They're like a little the, intense about their football. Yeah. Like, there's a special pathway to get from your um, your parking lot to the stadium as a BVB fan. But if you are from the other team, you have to take another entrance. Oh, my gosh. So that you don't <laughs> get beaten up. <laughs> I love that they've thought ahead. Like, they've obviously learned some lessons through right? that. That's amazing. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, you're allowed to drink beer on the subway there. And you're... Like, all the listeners like, what? Just kidding. I'm sure, you know, that's probably common for some people. But, um, yeah, so you can go around with beer. So that mixed with soccer. Right. <laughs> and, and an passion. And, yeah. Yeah, and they are, like, opposing team on the train. Like, it is, you know, it's that's it. Like, don't even, don't even. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I it, love it. It was really cool. Though, when, when there was a game and, you know, and we won, like, the whole city was partying. Like, it's a whole, and it's just like, even if it's just like a little game, it's not like a final or anything like that. It's, it's huge. And it was a lot of fun for that. It sounds like a lot of, you know, American towns where Friday night football, even just like yes. high school or college football, right? It's sort of the yes. whole town gets in on it. That's oh yeah. It big time. Like, uh, like crazy. you've never seen anything like it. It's so fun. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Did you know that? Were you prepared for that beforehand or did you find no. that out when you got there? <laughs> no, because like, honestly, when I got there, it was just, okay, I've got to learn three operas now and I'm going to go to rehearsal. I'm going to go home and sleep and didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. like the first few months when I moved there, I had no idea. And then this guy brought me to this soccer game and I was like, whoa, whoa, this, <laughs> I didn't know there was a stadium this big here. I didn't know, like, I had no idea, but I just, did, I had, I was just too much into the opera career. So right. No idea. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So before we dive into your experiences there and your opera uh, contract and all of that good stuff, I just want to do, we're calling this the runway rundown so we can get to know you as a traveler. (laughs) The runway rundown. So are you super early on time or late for flights? Oh, super early. Super early. Okay. Yes. That's good. I think your husband would appreciate that. He's definitely an early bird. (laughs) Because he's half Swiss, so he's all about timeliness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are you a carry-on only or overpacker oh god overpacker mm-hmm. <laughs> pete pete my husband would not he's not impressed <laughs> with that <laughs> that's the part you don't agree on yeah yeah what is your guilty pleasure at an airport something you buy or something you do while you're there oh tons of magazines 
Nice. Love magazines. Yeah, it's the only time I really buy them. It's funny. Yeah, I feel like at the airport, everyone has a thing they do that they don't do in, normally in life. And it's you're still in your same city usually when yeah. you're leaving at I an know. airport. But for some reason, we do different things. Oh, wait, wait. What? One more thing, though. Yeah? The candy. Okay. For some reason, there's an excuse to get a pile of candy <laughs> when yeah, you're traveling. Totally. I buy like, yeah, those, those like gross little Ritz crackers or like, you know, crisps or something that I would normally never have, but yes. you got to do it at an airport. Are you window seat, aisle seat, middle seat? Aisle. Aisle? Yeah. Oh, Claust- you're my first aisle answerer. Good. Yeah. I'm a little claustrophobic and I need to be able to escape at any time. And I need I like to it. not have to worry about the person beside me, although it's usually Pete. Um, right. I don't want to have to worry about them if I have to go to the washroom. Yeah. Okay. See, I was waiting for someone to say, ah, I love it. I love it. Are you the chatty neighbor or sleepy? Don't talk to me neighbor. Don't talk to me neighbor. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's, I think that we all are like that on flights, especially longer ones, right? You don't want to get stuck with someone. I remember when I was a kid, I was stuck between like my dad, who was a big guy and this like very large man. And I was in the middle seat and it was like the worst flight ever. Like this huge two dudes, (laughs) but then a sandwich between them and he was very chatty neighbor. Uh, what's your drink service drink? Oh gosh, I totally hydrate. So it's Tons of water and apple juice. For some reason, apple juice on planes. Apple juice, amazing. <laughs> it's like my grandma's church growing up, like apple juice and cookies. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. along with that, are you like pretzels or a cookie? Hmm. Sometimes I get both because nice. I just I like to do that. I'm like they're like chocolate or pretzels or cookie or pretzels. Can I yeah. have both? Yeah, that's pretty much how it Because it's also like you get four pretzels. Like, there's no reason you can't have a cookie, too. Exactly. And what's your in-flight entertainment choice? Do you listen to things, watch things, sleep, read? Well, before I had my kid. <laughs> yes, pre, pre-baby time. Uh, before having to watch him all the time, I was totally watching piles of movies that I'd been wanting to see for a while. So, yeah, yeah. one movie after the other. Very nice. naughty. And you got, yeah, you got to choose your movies on a plane because people can see what you're watching. I know. It's <laughs> like, sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. But. So you grew up here. Yes. And uh, when did you first get into opera? When did you sort of know it was going to take you different places? Um, I got into opera at 16. And then um, after my studies, after my master's, yes, they have master's in opera, guys. Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Learn something new every right? day. God. Um, any way that they could make money, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so that was all done with by age 24, 23. Okay. Maybe around then. No, 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 26, 26. I think it was 26. Um, so by then, like, I knew I had to go to Europe. I knew I had to do auditions. So, yeah, I pretty much went to Europe. I went and stayed in France with my uncle and aunt. Mm-hmm. Traveled from there. Um, I had to go to London to audition for Belgium. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, all the cities. Hit them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it all kind of happened, like... Like, I was in Belgium for a little while because I was doing an apprenticeship. And then from there, by age 27, that's when I got my real first big gig in Dortmund. Um, So that's pretty much when it all started, officially. Amazing. Yeah. And so you went, did you know how long you were going for? Was it a planned contract length or was it just sort of a start date and... Yeah, um, so it was a two-year contract. Uh, It wasn't renewed after the last two years, uh, after the two years were up. Um, Mm -hmm. But I stayed so that I could do guest work and so that I could do more auditions. 
Okay. Um, yeah, so basically three years there. And so you were kind of thrown into, like, I'm going to do, you said you had to learn three operas, and you had to learn a couple languages or sort of oh brush God. up on them. That's a huge, um, along with moving your life somewhere different, right? Oh That's a God. lot of things to be it <laughs> was, reliving Honestly, it. yeah. Like, so as I said before, when I first got there, I had no idea about what was going on except for what was happening in the theater and my career. Right. I had no idea it was a soccer town. I'd no, I didn't even know, like... I don't know. I didn't know much. I didn't even know where the closest park was. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Singular so, mission. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I was so busy. They, they put me into these two, I, I think it was actually two operas. Let's not exaggerate. Well, there was probably a third that I had to work on too, but I had two German operas that I had to learn and rehearse at the same time. Oh my gosh. And, and, it, and it's because <laughs> I was, I was like a beginner, right? Like you're, you're con- considered a beginner when you get your first contract. So they put you in everything. Right. Um, and they put me in these two lead roles at the same time. <laughs> oh my gosh. And one of yeah, them, I was single cast. Very often. No. And I was single cast for one of them. Um, no pressure. Was, no pressure. Yeah. And I was supposed to be in this other show. I was supposed to be in My Fair Lady in German, right. which I didn't realize it was in German after I'd learned it all in English. <laughs> right? So green. Oh, no. So green. Oh, like, no. Like, people, talk to your but agent again, and get the deets. The thing is, you should have learned this at some point in all of your education. Like, that right? maybe shows that universities don't give you so much of the hands-on no, experience but I'm like, and learning. Yeah, I'm like, for sure this is going to be in English. There's no way. And then I'm learning it and I'm talking to my agent and I'm like, okay, so I'm learning it. Oh, great. And then I'm like, uh, wait, are you sure this is in English? And she's like, no, no, it's in German. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So stressful. And that's right, a lot. Like, and you're supposed to be Eliza Doolittle speaking upper class German in this case. And lower class German, because you know how she speaks. She has to learn to speak upper class. So they change. It's not like a Cockney accent anymore. We're going full like lower class German accent. Yeah, that's so funny. (laughs) Oh man, I'm off on a tangent. Sorry. No, I love it. It's great. It's the whole world, right? That people don't know things about. And so you were obviously spending a lot of time in rehearsal. Was it a pretty intense schedule? Were you there? Yes. Every day, five days. How did that work? Um, So you're basically rehearsing. Anywhere from five to six days a week. Uh, Sundays are off unless you have a performance. Mm -hmm. Um, And incidentally, that's when the grocery stores are not open. Hello. Oh, no. (laughs) Germany, what are you doing? Things started to change. Like, they started to open things a little more. But, oh, my God, you had to be so organized and German. Like, you you know, the Germans are very organized, which I appreciate. But, man. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so I was rehearsing five to six days a week. And, um, it was usually like 10 till one in the morning, maybe nine till one. Um, and then you had a break and then you had to be back from around four till any, any time it could be till 10. Uh, they wouldn't go past 10 as far as I remember. Um, so you were in there and I was there every day doing role, one rehearsal in the morning for one opera and then the other one in the afternoon. That's a, that's a lot for your brain and your body. And that's I a know. Lot. And like the schedule is never released till day before. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so, so stressful. That yeah. stresses me out just hearing that. Right. Oh man. But and so was, how did yeah. you, how did you sort of balance your time? Obviously you're kind of thrown into this new place. 
you know, mm-hmm. speaking different languages, I'm sure most people probably spoke some English as well, but obviously very yeah. different predominantly. How did you sort of immerse yourself in the town and get to know, you know, the place you were going to be living for a couple of years? Oh. How did you? How? <laughs> like, or what, what did you do you in know, your off I'm, time, I guess? I'm blanking because it was so difficult. It was like, yeah, I guess I was trying to read Harry Potter in German because it's simple <laughs> okay. language, right? So I was trying sure. to do that to get my German to be better. Like I knew some, but I needed way more for rehearsals and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was listening to German radio, didn't understand anything, but I knew it would sink in. Um, mm-hmm. Constantly speaking German. My colleagues were really nice. They were really trying to speak German slowly to me. Um, and because I was so immersed in it and there was very little English going on, I just had to pick up quickly and I'm telling right. you I had the most deep sleeps of my life <laughs> I bet when your body's right? in that much stress yeah you just yes. need to crash yeah did you find that you I this is like for me for French I'm not fluent at all but I can understand most of it even if I can't yes. speak it back did you start to understand it first and then sort of absorb it and get um, more able to speak it I don't know like German like any other language I'm, I can understand easier but German is such a whole other beast like, I don't know if you know this, but the verb always comes last. So it's like, okay. I to the store, uh, many clothes today bought. <laughs> okay. If you're okay. direct translation. So the Germans are really cool. Cause they're like, they're sitting there and they have to guess what you're about to say at the end. And they, <laughs> and they kind of know ahead of time. Whereas we, we just say the verb at the beginning, so we don't really have to listen to the rest. <laughs> so it's like a, a language of mystery. It's way more <laughs> yes. intriguing. Yes. That's awesome. Um, and how was, did you yeah. How did you sort of spend your time outside rehearsal? Like, obviously, you had to do the essentials like groceries and laundry and things. But did you have, on your days off, would you have any sort of traditions or find any little spots that you spent time in? Yeah, um, I met a ballerina there. She was in the, the core at the theater and uh she introduced me to this park and because everyone's got bikes there we would take this long bike ride to go to this park which was really nice um we went to the zoo sometimes or i just go to the bar like the bar like people are hilarious in the german bars (laughs) nice (laughs) they really let loose the germans in the bars because it's kind of a more it's a more conservative people right and when they get into the bar it's like everything is loose and it's like all a their whole, inhibitions lowered. Oh yeah. man, yeah, yeah. So there really wasn't much time to do else, um, and because the schedule wasn't posted till the day before, you know, I wanted to go to Cologne sometimes, which was maybe an hour away, or I wanted to go to Dusseldorf, which was half an hour away. But you didn't. You had to get special permission every time to go anywhere. Um, wow. Yeah. So, like. I think maybe the second year I had a little less to do. I was able to do more trips and um, I had more time in my schedule. So yeah, little day trips. And that's so easy to do in Europe. How quickly did it sort of feel like, okay, I'm home. This I'm living here now. Did it, were you kind of forced into it? Did it never really feel like home? I swear it like, okay, if everything had been in English, I'd say it would have been within three months, but it took a good eight to ten months before I felt comfortable yeah that's huge right the language is such a huge part of it so that makes sense that that would influence it yeah I mean even such things as recycling it was a whole other system there um I mean the grocery shopping different I mean if you're not packing your bags quickly you know when they're like checking you out you will get you will get shoulder checked (laughs) at the grocery store (laughs) 
they're like, they look at you like, why? Like, if you haven't moved your groceries into your bag, the next pile from the next person is like, like colliding into yours at high speed. Like, you know, the little, the little, um, the belt that it's rolling on. Yeah. That thing is going so much faster because it's like, get the France out of here, get your groceries (laughs) and get the France out. Like, that's pretty much what is happening. And you are not used to that here. We're like at Lobos. Oh, this is great. Just going to put my eggs and then I'm going right. to get out of the bag. Can I have an elastic for yeah. this? Can you just pack like, a double bag this? Like, yeah. They're like, nine, just get out and go. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> they must really hate it right now during the pandemic time because at my grocery store, you're not even allowed to go up to the cash until the first person's gone, right? Yes. So they must, yeah. must be driving them nuts. Yeah, they're like, this is inefficient. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely things that felt different from home, like felt very, oh, yeah. took some adjustment. Were there things that felt very similar? Like, did you feel, obviously coming from Toronto is a little bit of a different city. Did you feel like there were things, that, okay, I, this is my kind of pace, what I'm used to? Yeah, a lot of similarities for sure. Like get-togethers, um, mm-hmm. you know, friends being restaurants. Like, actually, that was even easier to do because everyone lived so close. And nice. all our family was everywhere else, so we could get together easier. Mm. No, like the subway was different. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, things were on time like a lot of differences there <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and it's interesting you talk yeah. about your people so obviously when you do any kind of show you're kind of mm-hmm. thrown into this environment where it's a concentrated amount of time with the same people you get to know people very quickly you're also coming in with common interests right which yes. kind of just bonds you very quickly so did though were, were people from all over the place and you guys had all come to do the show did you feel like they were your family kind of while you were there yes definitely um we we got pretty close even like even with the chorus like you weren't just friends with the solos you're also friends with the chorus guys who are a lot of fun um (laughs) they were awesome I love the chorus guys um and yeah like we had people from the states uh people from Australia uh the chorus was really a mixed bag Poland um Greece Everywhere, everywhere. But yeah, my particular group, German, American, Australian, and uh, one lady from France. That was my group. Yeah. Mostly Germans, though, but just a couple North Americans, I'd say. Yeah. And are you still friends with those people now? Are they still in your life? Um, Still in contact on Facebook, especially with the, the American couple. I'm still talking to them every once in a while. Nice. Yeah. How about holidays? Like you were being away for two years. You were obviously Mm -hmm. away for many significant holidays and sort of significant things. Did they feel, did you travel and and ever like visit home or or family on holidays or did you stay there and you guys kind of do a little group thing or how did that work? Um, God, that first Christmas was super lonely. I had to, I was actually performing on Christmas day because it was Hensel and Gretel, which is like the big German tradition over there. And I was Gretel. Okay. Oh God. Kind of important. (laughs) God. Your Gretel can't really not so be there. So huge, huge opera. Oh my God. Like you're thinking it's a kid's opera, but it's not. It's huge. Um, so I was, I was performing that. Um, and I had a boyfriend come to visit, but it was still, it was lonely because it was just me and him and mm-hmm. my family was in Canada. You couldn't go home. There was no time, no way mm-hmm. and no mm-hmm. how. Um, but we did, we got long summer breaks. We got six weeks off in the summer, paid vacation, um, cause the season's closed obviously in the summer. Um, 
And then the Germans have a lot of little stat holidays here and there, right? So you get a couple long weekends every once in a while and definitely no rehearsals those days and no performances. Um, Yeah. Except Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. you got to perform for those. (laughs) Just the biggest. Just some of the biggest ones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The year we were in Australia was our first Christmas anywhere different, and it was a completely different season. So it was, like, hot. Like, Santa came, rolled up in a limo with his sleeves rolled up, (laughs) like, sweating buckets. And we're like, what? (laughs) I'm having, like, a heat wave. I'm, like, lying inside with a face cloth on. It's like, what is this? This is not Christmas. We went to the beach on Christmas Day. It was was very strange, right? You feel very, like, it's just a very different experience. Yes. It is funny. Oh, for sure. Was there a place, like you, you mentioned a pub, was there sort of a regular hang that you had or a little hidden gem that you felt like was your spot while you were there? Yes. Um, there were two places. There was Va Piano. Okay. <laughs> I remember that. Um, so it was a restaurant, and also it was a really fun place because it was right by the theater, and yep. they were open late, so we'd often go there afterwards. Um, and sometimes we were actually partying with the staff, after closing time. <laughs> nice. That's great. You got to get to know your bartenders. That's key. Yes. No, it was, that was really fun. I liked that. And there was one other place, but it was more for the, the, the audience members for them to go. Um, it was like a tourist trap, but it was also fun for, for drinking there. Nice. Yeah. And were you guys treated a little bit like, did people kind of know you as like, oh, they're in the opera? Like, were you a little bit, <laughs> do you have some celebrity at these pubs? People recognize you? No, no. Um, <laughs> actually, there was, there was a florist by my apartment and I went in to buy something and then five minutes later she ran after me in the street she's like oh you were the one in that in the bartered bride I'm like oh "Oh, you recognize me and I was like like gushing you know I've (laughs) made it yeah yeah and she gave me like an extra flower it was really sweet if you were to write your memoir one day what would there be like a couple key stories from that time in your life that you would include in your memoir Yes, for sure. Um, uh, do you want to hear a little story? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Um, one day I'm at the gym. <laughs> Love and it Hansel already. and Gretel is playing that night, okay? And I was off, obviously. I'm at the gym. And this, the show started at 7, okay? At okay. 7.30, I get a call from my double. I'm like... Hello, aren't you supposed to be on stage? What What's going on? She's like, oh my God. please, Lydia, you have to come. I'm like, what's going on? I'm sick. I cannot perform the rest of the opera. Oh, I can't no. do that accent. Sorry. Um, and I'm okay. like, what? And I'm like so sweaty. I just worked out for like an hour and a half. Hadn't <laughs> showered. And I'm like, but I, please come. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my, my God. gosh. So I get on my bike. Okay, my bike. <laughs> More sweat, more sweat. sweat. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like speeding all the way to the theater and I get there and my costume assistant's like, what are you doing here? What's happening? I'm like, give me the costume quick. She's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, costume. (laughs) So like she's putting it on and then my double, her name is Martina. She's like putting a pigtail on one side. I'm doing my other pigtail. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And they're like. Oh my God, you're on in five minutes. I'm like, okay. Oh my God. So I had five minutes to get backstage. I'm running down the hall to the stage door. And my boss, she's like, Lydia, are you okay? Can you do this? I'm like, yes, quickly, just move. Oh my gosh. Right? Talk about stress. Oh my God. 
So I get on stage and the stage hands are all looking at me. They're like, what's happening? And I, and I didn't even have time to explain because the curtain was about to open. I got into place. I look over at them <laughs> through the wings and I give them a wink. <laughs> and then the curtain opened and I'm like, la, 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 la. No. <laughs> so there was no, like, it wasn't even at an act break. It wasn't like the audience would be told, like, the no. ne- you know, this next act is going to be, oh no. my gosh. It was between, it was, there was, our scene was first, then there was a scene with the parents, and then we were in the third scene or something like that. And I came in for the third scene. <laughs> Wouldn't you have loved to be in the audience that night going like, oh my wait, God. what? Is that the same? What? No, they're like, wait, this one's louder. What's happening? <laughs> That's apparently what people were saying. They her did announce. Her pigtails are fresher. What happened? Oh, her pigtails are so much fresher. so funny. <laughs> Oh, oh my god! You did not work out the next day because that was definitely oh a double, <laughs> double win. No, I so didn't. But my god, they they did a little newspaper article that I did an Einsprung, where you spring in like you jump in. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I I was in the newspaper. It was really cute. That was nice. That's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of like on a soap opera when all of a sudden the same actress is just a, or the same character is just a different actress one yes. day. No, they're like, never explained. What? This one's bigger and louder. Definitely a bit bigger because my double is oh, much man. skinnier than me. It was so funny. That's incredible. <laughs> and was she just, she was like, I'm going to throw up if I stay on stage. Like she just couldn't um, do it. No, she was losing her voice. She had a cold or something. Okay. Um, she was sweet though. She gave me like shower gel the next day and a little soap. Cause she's like, you were so sweaty. Here is a gift. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. God. I love it. That's yeah. a great story. Totally yeah. going in the memoir. <laughs> Are there any other key key stories that you kind of still tell to this day of that time? Um, oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> there's definitely a time I had to go do an audition in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And I got, and like, I swear it was like East Berlin. It looked so dodgy. And they told me to go to like number 40 okay. on this dodgy street. And between number 40 was like a strip bar. And on the <laughs> other side... What was on the other side? It was like another strip bar. <laughs> and the door in between was the audition place. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be shipped off. I'm going to be turned into a slave. Like, what <laughs> is going on here? Or you're auditioning to be a stripper and you don't know it. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. option, yeah. So I knock on the door. No answer. I open it. There's a broom. I'm like, what is happening? I'm in, I'm in a broom closet. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me it's the strip. Anyway, they gave me the wrong number or something. So I went to another door and there was this old lady. And I'm like, hello, here is Lydia. Um, I'm like, I've got an audition. She's like, yeah. And then she like takes me up the stairs. It was like a mystery moment. And like, she's not looking me. She's got her back to me going up the stairs. I'm like, uh, I didn't even know if this was real. Like, right. what is, I get into this apartment and I'm like, this can't be where the audition is. This is too tiny. And there was like this tenor sitting in a poang and you know, <laughs> you like those Ikea chairs and yeah. like, there's this baritone picking his nose and I'm sitting there. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and there's like these little sounds coming from behind me, like, weep, 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 weep. and I'm like, what is happening? I turn around. The whole wall is a series of cages of chinchillas, rabbits. Oh, no, no, no. I'm like, what is ah. going on? And then I went to use the bathroom, and it was, like, full of seahorses. What? 
The walls were covered in seahorses. And as I pass by this other, like I'm passing by the hallway to get back into the, the waiting room. And there was like a wall full of unicorns. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but not just like 10, 20 unicorns, which is already a lot. It was like a hundred unicorns. And I'm like, what is happening? And then they're like, okay, Frau Skouridis, it is your turn. That was my stage name, Skouridis, right? So they're like, yeah. Frau Skouridis. And I'm like, where? Like with the chinchilla? Like what? So Are we harmonizing? Or? Oh my God. So they bring me across the street to this like Brauhaus from like 1800. It's like this old beer hall. And I'm like, oh my God, people. Like, can you imagine? I could not concentrate on this audition. So I get no there. No kidding. I'm, I'm like ready to sing. And there's this woman on a laptop and she's looking at me and she's got like those like really vicious eyebrows. Like drawn that, on. Con- drawn on and angry looking. <laughs> and her nails were like curved and they're like clicking like long curvy nails like claws. And they're like clicking on the laptop. Kick, 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 click, 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 While I'm singing, I'm like, oh my God. And I could not concentrate. I think I biffed that audition. I, I was so disoriented. I think it was a trap. Like if they can handle the unicorn closet and the seahorse toilet room and the tenor and the poing and the chinchillas they can handle my audition and I'm like oh it was just it was crazy but I left also, there if that's what the auditions like what would the show have been like it's so like terrifying she was, to think. she was an agent so I'm like I don't know if I oh want the chinchilla lady to be mm-hmm. my agent <laughs> You must have thought you were like on punk. Like you're like Ashton Kutcher. Are you in terms? Yeah. I'm like, what's what happening? is happening? Oh, it was so funny. That's so disorienting amazing. though. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Um, I don't even know how to follow that. It's so I'm good. Sorry. Like I would think sorry. you're. No, it's great. I would think you're making it up if it wasn't quite so amazing. Um, <laughs> is there? Obviously, you were very immersed in opera at the time, and you were there. Yes. Is there? Yes. Was there like music or like a something you were listening to, or a show, or something that you were kind of absorbing uh, in your time there that reminds you of that? An album or oh, a song? Oh yes, um, it was Bonnie Vare yeah. and Imogen Heap. Nice. Um, those are the two that really stand out right away. Um, yeah. I always listen to that a lot and nice. anything that was an opera, I was pretty much listening to. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, two. that sort of question because it, it also sets the time, right? So I can go mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember that like 2007 ish, you know, I know what I was doing when I was listening to those. albums. Yes. So it's kind of fun to let things take you back like that. Was there any other sort of really positive memories that you have when you think back on that city in that time? Yeah. Well, Dortmund, they had a lot of festivals going on per Mm -hmm. season um so like in september october they had a mushroom festival and it's not (laughs) what you think be classy (laughs) they had like chantilly is it chantilly chanterelle sorry chanterelle mushrooms um and like all the mushroom like there was special chanterelle dishes that they would do in the square right so they had little booths with different um little restaurant stalls and they had these amazing dishes and then there was a little market where you could buy all these different types of mushrooms um and then they had like champagne to go with the mushrooms like it was hilarious and white interesting mix champagne and mushrooms and then like november Mm -hmm. um they had the the altemarkt the like the medieval market 
Okay. So they had all these special foods, and um, I was walking down this pedestrian zone, and there was, like, these geese. (laughs) (laughs) They were all, like, following this guy who was playing the lute. I don't know. It was really... (laughs) Were you living in Hansel and Gretel the fairy tale? I know, right? I'm like, what is this? It was awesome. Um, And then, of course... Starting December, you had the Christmas market. Oh, and man. I'm saying it's not just a little, yeah, like 10 stalls. There are stalls lined up throughout the whole city in the pedestrian zone. The pedestrian zone goes through the whole center of the city, right? Oh my so gosh. you can walk all the way or take your bike all the way to work this way, right? Um, so they had all these different stalls. There was the Glühwein, which is the mulled wine. And right. they had red wine or white wine. Um, you could get it with amaretto in there. And oh, oh it was man. just great. Um, and then, of course, in the big square uh, where they had the other festivals, they had this ginormous tree set up. And it was beautiful. Um, and they had all the little Christmassy gifts and, and foods, crepe. They had like gingerbread, which the this is like a huge thing in Germany is gingerbread. Nice. Uh, Leib, Lebkuchen, it's called, if I'm not mistaken. Lebkuchen, um, I like Leibkuchen. that. Lebkuchen. <laughs> um, <laughs> does that mean life bread? I, I think it means something like that. Maybe, maybe not. Um, it's more fun and, to say than gingerbread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even like the grocery stores at Christmas time were a whole other level. They had the most amazing sweets and cookies and pa- and, and pastries. And, um, and then... After that, there wasn't much of a festival after the Christmas one, but then there was Easter and then the chocolate. Oh, my God, in the grocery stores. It's not just like, you know, Nestle Easter egg. It was like Fedora milk chocolate, Milka. Then they had all these other beautiful German brands of chocolate. And it's not like, it's just next level chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) And everything is decorated so beautifully. Oh, it was really, really nice. That's something I definitely liked about, about Dortmund with those festivals. Stereo Flavor provides the best live music entertainment in the GTA for weddings, events, private and corporate parties, those big moments that deserve celebrating. They're known for their versatile cover band, which plays a mix of the best songs from so many different genres and eras, and they just made a big move of their own, launching a world music branch, meaning you can add some cultural flavor to your event entertainment. They offer ensembles that play music from a lot of the places we're visiting this season, Eastern Europe, Latin America, Italy, and they also have a fusion collective called Stereo World, which explores what Toronto sounds like. My producer Rich and I have both worked with the Stereo fam for years and can vouch for their professionalism and their ability to get everybody up and moving. Visit stereoflavor.ca, flavor with a U, the Canadian way, and check out at Stereo Flavor on Instagram and Facebook. So you wrapped up your time there, I think you said 2010, is that right? Yes, that's when I came home, yeah. I came home, and so you came back to Toronto. Was that a hard mm-hmm. transition? Was it, was it weird to be back? Was it great to be back? Um, you know what? I felt like after that really tough experience, I could do anything. I was so happy to be home. I was so mm-hmm. happy to actually understand what people were saying all, all around me. I bet. You know, just, and I went to look for jobs, and it was just an easy, easy thing to do, like, because I was bilingual, I got a job right away in a call center. I had to do yeah. something when I got back, right? And it was yeah. a good job. Um, but like in Germany, you had to have a certificate for this or a certificate for that. Like, as they mm. say, you have to have a certificate to fart in Germany. Like, <laughs> you could, like, I was not allowed to teach English because I didn't have a certificate. And like, okay, I get it. But it was like, 
I couldn't even, I couldn't do anything outside huh. of opera. So right. it was really, really tough. And, and like I come home within a month, I had a great paying job in a call center, you know, and it was, it was yeah. like, I can't believe this. Which also ev- yeah. eventually led you to meet your hubby, right? Yes. Was yes. That job. So yeah, it's crazy how places, right? Take us places yeah. and then we come back home. Oh, do you yeah. consider it sort of a part of you? Like, do you think that you kind of, it, have you been back or if you go back, would it feel a little bit like, oh, this was my home? I've been back and you know, it felt familiar, but I, I never fully felt comfortable there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just mm-hmm. not, even though I speak the language and I understand the culture, I know how things run there. It was never going to be the same without friends and family, you know? Yeah. 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 That's a, a theme that's come up a lot in conversations yeah. is it, it, the places are great and they can, we can kind of leave a part of ourselves there or take a part of them with us, but it really like home does become where your family is. And that could be chosen family, right? It might not be your actual biological family, but yeah, it's a big part of it. So now you're back home is Toronto. You're mm-hmm. here. Um, where would you, is there another place on your bucket list that you would want to sort of move for a time or live, uh, with family? Realistically or unrealistically? <laughs> Realistically, let's do both. Let's do both. <laughs> I want to stay in Toronto for sure. Um, I really, my bucket list is to go back to Tahiti. I want to live there. If we won the lottery, I'd be in Tahiti like nine months of the year. Nice. That's a great plan. <laughs> Like so it. beautiful there in Bora Bora or Muria. That's right. Would love to be. I always watch those. I, well, I don't anymore because I don't have cable, but I used to watch those international, you know, home ch- like shows yes. and people are buying these places for so cheap on these islands. And you're like, why yes. do we not all do this? Like, why yes. do we not God. spend our half our years there? Oh, that's awesome. so wonderful. And do you have a, is that sort of where you would retire? That's like the eventual where you would want to be plan. I could never do it because my kid, I don't know where he would be. It'd be too far. It's like it's a huge flight there. It's two huge flights. Honestly, where I'd really like to live ideally when I retire is Victoria, BC. Beautiful. Love it there. We go a lot and uh, because my parents are there, right? So... And is traveling, is traveling something that you like when, when your little guy grows up and he's, you know, in his twenties, is it something that you would suggest to him? Like, yeah, you should, you know, I know it's different being the mom, but is it it something that you would suggest like, yeah, you should live somewhere else and experience it. And absolutely. You learn so much. You, your Mm -hmm. eyes are opened so huge. Um, you learn so, so much about other cultures, other people, other ways of living, um, some better ways, some worse ways, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can learn no matter what, when you travel for sure. And what would you say had that trip had the biggest impact? You said you felt, came back and felt like you could do anything. Was that sort of the biggest takeaway for you? Like I survived that, yeah. you know, not speaking the language, learning the thing, my first big job. Was that sort of your biggest takeaway? Yes, absolutely. That was the biggest experience of my life, I'd say. Yeah. And kind of cool because then it, you know, eventually when it wrapped up, it led you back home and then you've had a completely different trajectory since then, right? In great ways, in really, in really interesting, right? You wouldn't have necessarily met Pete if you had not done that trip because who knows where you would have ended up after, right? So I think these things have a way of leading us to the right places, which is cool. Yeah. Well, can we get you to say in German, can you say like, thanks for listening to the Big Moves podcast? Oh my God. I don't think my German, I can't remember how to say that. I can say goodbye and thank you. Okay. That works too. (laughs) And let me add that the Germans, when you're leaving a room, they have 10 different ways of saying bye to you. They're like, Oh yeah. We'll see you later. Yeah. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. Schönen Tag noch. Like it's four or five things. Um, (laughs) I love that. Unless they don't like, it's like, tschüss, like goodbye. (laughs) 
Like, get out of here. We're done with you. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, so, auf Wiedersehen. Vielen Dank für Ihre Interesse. Thanks for your interest. <laughs> Thanks for oh, your interest God. in the podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> Huge thanks to today's guest for sharing their story with us and to you lovely listeners for joining us. This podcast would not be possible without my producer and audio engineer, Rich, who does so much work behind the scenes and who we will someday convince to have his own segment on the show. All of the music in this episode comes from The Agenda, Al Rowe, Mark Rankin, Will Hebs, and our very own Rich De Silva. If you liked this episode, please tell your pals, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and leave us a rating or review while you're at it. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Big Moves Podcast, where you'll find bonus content and amazing throwback photos from all of our guests.